0: Welcome to The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus. Our world is full of incomplete solutions, leaving people searching for more. God's only solution for all mankind, for all time, is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Grow in relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, because your purpose is far greater than the day-to-day circumstances of life. Let's join Greg for The Solution Radio Show as he shares from God's Word with us today.
1: Today we'll look at some verses in Romans chapter 5 regarding having peace in this crazy, crazy world. And in our second segment, we'll be talking with ordained Christian minister Bob Carden from Grace Christian Fellowship, which is in Naperville, Illinois. And Bob will be discussing with us the topic of freedom from guilt and shame. You know, this world can be a most unpeaceful place. It's very easy to get caught up in the anxiety and the worry of the world when we're you know, watching the TV news or listening to talk radio or just spending endless hours on the Internet. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with watching the news or listening to talk radio or surfing the net. But if that is where we focus our mind and thoughts for the information that we receive, well, then we're going to be most unpeaceful in this world because most of the news that comes from those locations is not very peaceful. You know, just a couple days ago, I saw on Facebook that it was the International Day of Peace. And many people on Facebook, uh, my friends, as well as others that I saw, they were lighting these virtual candles to commemorate this Day of Peace. Well, at best, lighting a virtual candle may make you feel good for a moment, but does it give you genuine, long-lasting peace? Not really. Does it give you any comfort in this crazy world of uncertainty? (laughs) No, absolutely not. What do most people do to escape the anxiety of the world when they can't find peace? Well, some may immerse themselves in their work they put in 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Or others, they turn to alcohol or drugs to numb the pain and the hurt in their lives. Or they might immerse themselves in TV reality shows watching other people live their dysfunctional lives, being thankful that maybe they're not as bad off as what they are seeing on TV. And then, of course, there's video games and surfing the Internet. Uh, That's huge in our culture today from escaping from the so-called doldrums of everyday life. Well, you know, there's another way to live. Uh, There are no doldrums of everyday life when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and when we know our Heavenly Father. There's tremendous peace in Christ, a peaceful heart is free from anxiety and worry, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, no matter what the temptation might be. There really is no genuine peace in the heart of a man or a woman until they know the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? No matter how hard government officials may try, there will never be genuine peace in this world until the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, sets up His kingdom here on earth as detailed in the book of Revelation. We're going to look in God's Word today at Romans chapter 5 is where we'll start, and we'll see some tremendous truth regarding peace and how we can hold on to God's Word in our thinking and manifest or show forth that peaceful heart. Uh, if you have your Bible handy and want to follow along, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 is where we'll start. And it's the King James Version that I'm reading from here today. It says, "...therefore being justified..." And to be justified is to be legally declared righteous in the sight of God. So, therefore, being justified by believing, by believing what? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. (laughs) It says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom? Also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We have access unto the grace of God because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. And continuing in that verse, it says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And that rejoice, that word means to boast, to be loud mouthed about. (laughs) We're to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And what is the great hope of the glory of God? It's the return of his son. And he's definitely coming back. Could be today. Might not be for another hundred years. Might be a thousand years. But he's going to return. And we have that hope to look forward to. And we're to boast in that hope. We're to glory in that. Let's continue here in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. And tribulations is the pressures of this life. Now, This verse is interesting because it almost sounds like I'm happy to have tribulations in life. Well, that word glory uh, means to, it's the same word as the word rejoice in verse 2. It means to, to boast or to declare. And it's not that we boast in the tribulation and rejoice in the pressures of life. It's when we have the pressures of life, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's what we rejoice in. It's not... Lord, give me more pressure so I can glory more in these pressures. What we glory in, what we boast in, is the hope of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ when we have pressures in this world, and we definitely will. And look what it leads to the second part of that verse knowing that tribulation works or energizes patience. How could I possibly have patience in the tribulations of this world and life if I'm focused? on the circumstance I find myself in. I can't. But if I'm focused on the hope of the glory of God and all that he's done for us through Christ and the return of our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's very easy to have patience, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. And verse 4 says, And patience, experience. And that experience, that's a proving of God's word. You see the deliverance in the situation as God has promised and then experience hope. As you see God work, it just confirms to you even more that the Word of God is true. It confirms to you even more that God loves you, that you have eternal life. And verse 5, And hope makes us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. When you know that God loves you, when you know your full redemption at the return of Jesus Christ draws near, when you know your life has value and purpose because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ and His restoring your relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth, then you're not ashamed. You're not ashamed of the gospel of God. You're not ashamed of God and what He's made you to be as His child. And also you're able to love with the love of God, because that love that God has has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit, which he gave to you at the new birth, when you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and you confessed him as Lord of your life. What a tremendous truth. What an incredibly wonderful life we have. And what peace we can have when we know the truth of God's love and grace and mercy towards each of us. Now let's continue here in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for or in place of the ungodly. Why were we without strength? Why were we helpless to help ourselves? Why couldn't we pull up ourselves by our own bootstraps, our own good works, to try to stand approved before God? It literally was impossible, because our very nature received from Adam, that is what has separated mankind from the one true God. And according to God's divinely appointed time, Christ died in place of the ungodly. And that ungodly is all people. What a tremendous grace, what a tremendous love. When you recognize that, what tremendous rest and peace in your life when you know that Jesus Christ accomplished the work for your salvation. Verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. Well, seldom will others die for another, but it does happen. It happens at times of war. It may happen to a bodyguard for a dignitary. But you know what? Those deaths are deaths of imperfect men for other imperfect men. Those deaths do not result in the giving of eternal life. Though the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was for imperfect mankind, results in eternal life for those who believe on his accomplished work. Verse 8, But God gave proof, or displayed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died in place of us. There it is again. What a tremendous truth. The Lord Jesus Christ died in place of us, not when we were good enough, but when we were sinners. So while we were still being disobedient and rejecting the love of the Father, Christ died in place of mankind. What tremendous love. Verse 9, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We are saved from the future wrath of God as detailed in the book of Revelation. The fulfillment of that wrath, it culminates in eternal separation from God resulting in eternal death. But outside of Jesus Christ, that is what awaits those that refuse to accept God's love in the giving of His Son. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What tremendous truth we see here in Romans chapter 5. When we were enemies, we were reconciled. We were brought back into relationship with God. How? By the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved eternally by his life. Finishing in verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement or the reconciliation. We rejoice in God. We boast in God because we have received Holy Spirit resulting in sonship, eternal life. What love the Father has displayed towards you. What wonderful peace you can have today in this very, very most unpeaceful world. Know that God loves you. Know that God has given his best for you, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit the com, where you may listen to podcasts of previous shows. When we return from this short break, we will have in studio Bob Carden, who is the lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois. Bob will share with us some tremendous truth regarding freedom from guilt and shame.
0: This is The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus. Exploring God's solution for all mankind, for all time. Jesus Christ.
1: A couple weeks ago, while at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois, pastor and teacher Bob Carden, who was the lead pastor there, he he taught on freedom from guilt and shame. Uh, It was a teaching that really, really blessed my life. And uh, it was something I needed to hear, and I thought it was very timely and thought that uh, many others might be very blessed to hear some of that information as well. So uh, today we have in studio with us, Bob Carden. Welcome, Bob. I'd like to welcome you.
2: Thank you, Greg.
1: Great to have you here.
2: Blessing to be here.
1: Well, can you tell us a little bit, uh, what's the difference between guilt and shame?
2: Sure. Many times people use these two words interchangeably, but there is a difference. Guilt is when you feel bad for something that you did. I did something wrong or sinful. I feel bad about it. Many times we call this our conscience. The old Jiminy Cricket from the Disney movies. Mm. Shame is different than that. Instead of feeling bad about what you did, shame deals with feeling bad about who you are. And shame is when we're disappointed in ourselves. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. Shame can also mean that you feel like a failure in the eyes of someone else or of yourself.
1: That's a remarkable difference there between the two. Gosh. Uh, What are some of the causes uh, that you've seen in your ministry of guilt and shame in believers' lives?
2: Well, some of the causes of shame and guilt are obvious. Others, really not so much. Shame and guilt can arise out of our own past sin. And certainly there's no surprises there. We make the jump from guilt about what we did to shame about who we are for doing it. Mm -hmm. But shame can also arise not out of our own sin, but from sin against us. And I have encountered many times victims of abuse, either physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, and they often feel shame even though they are the victims and they have not sinned or done anything wrong. Shame is also often shared from a parent to a child or even between spouses with guilt and blame and accusation. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the obvious causes, but I think perhaps the most frequent cause of shame that I've encountered is probably not sin, but rather a sense of failure and inferiority. No baby is born with a sense of inferiority. That is an acquired belief. And we all seem pretty good at acquiring it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, how do you think that that sense of failure or that inferiority, how does it tie into the shame? And then what are some of the consequences that people have when they're thinking like that?
2: Well, when people start to view themselves as the problem, they view themselves as somehow not right in -hmm. some way, then that colors every action and every relationship in their lives. Some of the downsides of shame, in addition to feeling bad, is that it destroys self-esteem. Shame can manifest itself as a nagging sense of unworthiness or insecurity. Shame keeps people second-guessing. Shame is also toxic to relationships. Mm especially our relationship with God.
1: That's some wonderful truth there. Now, if you're just joining us here, our conversation on WYLL on the Solution Radio show is with Reverend Bob Carden from Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, and he's sharing some things with us, some tremendous truth on how to become free from guilt and shame. And sort of what I'm seeing, Bob, and what you've said thus far, it really ties into our identification as far as the shame goes.
2: Absolutely. Who do you see in the mirror? Do -hmm. you see Christ, or do you see the person who's made a lifetime of mistakes?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, how can godly sorrow then maybe bring us up out of that guilt and shame? And what is godly sorrow?
2: Well, godly sorrow appears in the book of 2 Corinthians. And, of course, 2 Corinthians follows 1 Corinthians, which was a book that God had the Apostle Paul write to confront the Corinthian church about many mistakes and sins in practice within their church. And after receiving this information, the church at Corinth was, of course, uh, stung, you might say, Mm -hmm. when they recognized how they had fallen short. But God did not point out their problems to make them feel bad. It says in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you. So God doesn't want us to bring shame. What he would rather have is something called godly sorrow. And godly sorrow is the genuine, God's genuine, of the counterfeit, which is the sorrow of this world, which we often call guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are damaging counterfeits of something that is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And godly sorrow, as I said, is spoken of in Second Corinthians 7. In verse 8 it says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. When God points something out in our lives, it's to help us change. It's not to cause us to wallow in guilt and shame. And Paul did. He knew he had caused them sorrow by his letter, but that was God's point. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Mm. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this manner. So godly sorrow is what occurs when god points us out that we have fallen short in some way shape Mm -hmm. or form the word sin by the way simply means to miss the mark god points this out and we feel bad about it Mm -hmm. but the purpose of feeling bad is not to wallow in this shame it is to be able to repent and to change and that's what the corinthians did they repented they turned away from their sin repentance can also be and this is very important turning away from lies about yourself Mm -hmm. many times we feel shame because we are believing lies about ourselves we are a new creation in christ the old has been done away with we need to look at ourselves the way god looks at us and if we don't then we start feeling shame but if we do if we look at ourselves as christ then we can walk in the light with our heavenly father And anything that you believe about yourself that is different than what God declares is a lie. Hmm. And it's something that we should repent of.
1: That's so true. That's some wonderful truth there and how that that godly sorrow leads to repentance, which is change. And then uh, that identification, see yourself as God has made you to be in Christ. Now, is there a specific verse? I believe you shared a specific verse on what is God's answer to guilt and shame from 1 John. Is that correct?
2: Yes. And there's a number of places we could go to to see this. But 1 John is a great one. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 deals with both guilt and shame. It says, If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, you have two parts there you have God's forgiveness and you have been cleansed. And I have encountered many Christians over the years. They have a better understanding or belief in forgiveness than they do in cleansing. Mm -hmm. They feel as though, well, yes, God has forgiven me, but I am still bearing the burden of my guilt. That's not the case. We have been forgiven and we have been cleansed. And the word confess, by the way, means to admit that you are wrong. Forgiveness takes care of our guilt and then the cleansing takes care of our shame
1: it looks like identity once again is so tied into overcoming the shame that people might have what are some of the verses in God's Word that really define who we are now
2: well one of the things that I have seen and there's lots of places we could go to on this but my real heart for people is to encourage them to stop living in their past Mm. and start living in the now of who we are in Christ and there are a number of verses of Scripture that have the phrase, but now. You see, we do have a past. God is not ignorant of our past. And my past is not something that I'm proud of, mm-hmm. but now I am new in Christ. For instance, in Romans six twenty two, it says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 13, God says, but now, don't tell me about your past. Mm -hmm. God's not, he's saying, but now, in Christ Jesus, who you once were, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought close to God. We were once dead in trespasses and sins. That's who we were. Mm -hmm. But now we are alive in Christ. And then in Colossians 1.22, again, we have, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. If you are holy in God's sight, you have no need for shame. You are without blemish and free from accusation. And these truths are some of the hardest for Christians to believe, but they are true of each of us. So we want to allow God's forgiveness and his cleansing to define us.
1: Uh, I love those butt nows. <laughs> That's good stuff. Now, Bob, how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to have you maybe teach at their church? Or is there a website? Or
2: uh, They could email? go to our website, which is www.gcfnaperville.net. Okay, can excellent. Find all the information there.
1: I'll put that up on our website as well. Thank you very much, Bob, for joining us today and sharing your heart. Thanks for inviting me, Greg. And thank you for joining us today, you the listeners on The Solution Radio Show. And uh, just so grateful that you take the time to listen. Uh, Please pass along the information for this show to your friends, to people at your church, your small group Bible study, whatever. And uh, please visit our website, thesolutionradioshow.com. The Solution Radio Show is listener supported. And I thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you.
0: The Solution Radio Show archives are available at thesolutionradioshow.com along with resources to encourage and help you in your walk with God. The Solution Radio Show is supported by listeners like you. Make a donation today to join in sustaining God's work at the thesolutionradioshow.com. You've been listening to The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, and we thank you for joining us today. God bless you. You are God's very best.